Images can keep the memory of a loved one alive, hold a moment in history for future generations, and be a witness to tragedy or joy. They can also change behaviour, stimulate understanding, and create a sense of urgency that will move people to action. Photography is the universal language that speaks to the heart. Those are the words of Sarah Lean, Director of Photography for the National Geographic, and I think is a perfect introduction to the first episode of Capturing. My name is Jim Lillywhite Bewley, and this is the Toasted Tale Podcast. Nineteen fifty-five was a year of change for Marilyn Monroe. After leaving Hollywood for New York and abandoning her contract with 20th Century Fox, Marilyn was no longer just a dumb blonde, but a true renegade. In January, Marilyn formed a production company with photographer Milton Green and moved into a suite in the Ambassador Hotel, New York. She was one of the biggest stars of her day, and despite frenzied speculation, Marilyn evaded publicity where possible, dressing down in casual clothes and zero makeup. She wandered the city unnoticed and learned about The Method, a deeper, more challenging approach to drama, with Lee Strasberg, the Polish-born American actor and director of the actor's studio. Marilyn also began the long and difficult journey of psychoanalysis at this time. A star of this type could not go under the radar for too long, however, and in March of the same year, Green and Marilyn both agreed that her image needed a boost. She wished to be considered a serious actress, and had been roundly mocked by the media many of whom predicted the Californian starlet was throwing away her career. Her business partner, Milton Green, arranged for a cover spread in Red Book, and they, with Robert Stein, the magazine editor at the time, began searching out for photographers. They needed a photographer to capture the new Marilyn Monroe in the way she wished to portray herself. The man they settled on was photojournalist Ed Feingersch, a prolific taker of photographs during the 1950s. His work ranged from war photography correspondence all the way to producing stories for major magazines publishing at the time. He developed a reputation for putting himself at risk to get the eye-catching shots that the magazine editors craved. He parachuted with paratroopers, lay right in front of the paths of stunt cars, and even attached himself to a periscope to photograph a submarine diving. His talent behind the lens was beyond doubt. His skill for available light photography under seemingly impossible conditions was well recognised, 
And it was probably this that drew the interest of Monroe and Green in their planned publication. Over a hectic week, Feingersch followed Marilyn Monroe along with Stein and Marilyn's small entourage of business associates while they shopped, dined, and dressed up. His job was to capture on film Marilyn's daily life. And these were supposed to be candid shots, no flash, and boy, you should see them. They are fantastically taken photographs. You can see within the woman that was Marilyn Monroe. Not the superstar Hollywood poster child, but the smiling young lady just going about her days. And Ed throughout was there. He was described by Stein as a rather unpredictable character, and goes on to say, quote, He lived in the now, letting moments take him wherever they would. He must have had an apartment or room somewhere, but in all our years as close friends, I never saw it. His energy was unending. Life with him was never at a standstill, end quote. And unlike the glamour and cheesecake photographers Marilyn had posted for in Hollywood, Feingersch was not interested in creating some kind of elaborate illusion. He was inspired by Henry Cartier Brenson, and refused to allow his pictures to be cropped. His grainy monochrome shots of Marilyn were among the most realistic ever taken, yet his subject remained beautiful. During this time, Feingersch was able to get the whole range of Monroe. He was able to capture the practiced star charisma that she could switch on at will, which is seen in a particularly famous photo in a hotel room where she is splashing on Chanel number no. 5 on herself. And then, at other times, he captured the nervous, sensitive woman that lay just behind that mask. The strain of being Marilyn Monroe was also overwhelming sometimes, and this came through in some of the pictures. According to Robert Stein, at one point, during a guest appearance at a circus, Marilyn burst into tears of frustration. This was all captured on Eddie's camera, showing her rising tension against a visual jangle of wire hangers in the background. It was whilst this assignment was progressing that the team around Marilyn and Ed began noticing similarities between the two. Stein says, quote, They both were somehow more directly connected to life than the rest of us, and more vulnerable. Like Marilyn, Eddie was given to self-parody to mask the pain of being defenceless against daily living, and, like her, desperate to make full use of the gifts such an open nature provides." End quote. He continued, quote, "...just as Marilyn dreaded looking less than perfect in front of the cameras and was always late, so Eddie obsessed over what he did behind the camera, and would let no one else develop or print his pictures. Each held on to an ideal of art 
as if it were life itself. And as it turned out for both of them, it was. Marilyn's movies and Eddie's pictures made those who saw them feel more alive, but at the same time, fear for their safety. Sensing the price that would have to be paid for their luminous openness, end quote. And can't we see similarities to people nowadays? Those who seem to burn so brightly, and whilst it is a sight to behold while they are lighting up the arena, you do wander about Icarus flying too closely to the sun. After this project and the amazing pictures produced, Marilyn never worked again with Feingersh. He married unhappily and struggled with alcoholism and depression. He cut down on his drinking, Stein acknowledged, but the depression got worse. Gradually, he came into the office less and less and finally not at all. Then came a phone call from a woman who had been in love with him for years. He had arrived at her door the evening before and died in his sleep during the night. Feingersh's lonely demise has poignant echoes of Marilyn's own fate. Robert Stein once again gives his insight, saying... Quote, over the years, I'd urged Eddie to try a psychiatrist, but my pleading could not break through to his certainty that suffering was inseparable from his gift, that he could not escape one without losing the other. In today's world, he and Marilyn, for that matter, might have been kept going by medication, but back then, there was no such lifeline, end quote. Marilyn Monroe, of course, unfortunately, passed away on August the 4th, 1962, after an apparent overdose. Robert Stein concludes, saying, quote, Ever since, those who loved Eddie's work have tried to get museums to give him the recognition he deserves, but it has been no easier to help him in death than it was during his life. Almost all his prints and negatives, so closely held, scattered and disappeared. Magnificent pictures lost forever. End quote. In a strike of luck, however, Feingersh's pictures of Marilyn were found in a New York warehouse in 1987. They were purchased by archivist Michael Och as part of a larger lot of unexamined materials. A book, Marilyn 55, was published, and the Feingersh sessions have since been the subject of many exhibitions. They are now among the most popular images of Marilyn, displaying to any who witnesses them her natural beauty and the masterful artistry of Ed Feingersh. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Toasted Tale podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed capturing Monroe. I found it very interesting learning about Ed Feingersch and also about the icon which is Marilyn. The format of today's episode is a bit different from the usual Toasted Tale podcast. I want to keep things fresh on the channel. And also, I feel that due to the fact we do so many different subjects on the Toasted Tale, it may be helpful to organise the episodes we've done moving forward into some kind of categorised format. So if you're interested in a certain type of subject, you can just flick to the ones you wish. This is all part of the evolution of the channel, and just experiments I am doing for myself. I'd love to know any of your thoughts down below. The subject for today's episode was selected via randomizer, like we did all the way back in the beginning of the Toasted Tale podcast, so we are sticking still to our roots. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to support the show, then you can do so by following and subscribing to the Toasted Tale podcast on whichever podcasting platforms you prefer. You can also like, share and comment on this episode to let me know what you think, and connect with me personally on Facebook and Twitter, where my handle is at podcasttale. It's there where new episodes are released, and also anything I find interesting gets put on there too. That's at podcasttale for more. I look forward to speaking to you all again soon, and I wish every endeavour you attempt goes successfully and you are happy in your days. My name has been Jim Lillywhite Bewley. I will speak to you all again soon for another Toasted Tale by the Fireside.